0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ulster Rugby Roundup with me Gareth Hanna and recovering from the Monday Blues are Jonathan Bradley and Adam McKendrick Ulster, of course, saying got their run of Monday evening fixtures off to a winning start against Cardiff and are now looking ahead to the visit of Glasgow Warriors next week. We look at those games where it went wrong for Ireland and Six Nations and address a shed load of your listener questions. In fact, My job of drawing up a running order this week was made very easy, thanks to the listeners. It's probably our our best week ever of uh, questions, so thank you all for that. So, um, yeah, basically the whole chat's going to be framed by you lot. We'll begin with that 11-7 win for Ulster at Rodney Parade, although really this chat is going to overlap seamlessly between uh, province and country very shortly. Jonathan, Dan McFarland said after the game that he was happy enough to win ugly last night and that is uh, pretty much what it was, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, like not unexpectedly so. I don't think, you know, you saw quite a few of the games over the weekend weren't, uh, weren't aesthetically pleasing, shall we say. We're into that time uh, of year, you know, it's early in the season, but we're into November now, so when you get these nights away in Finasley uh, or some of these wet and windier places, this is the kind of game that you're going to get. I didn't... Not enjoy it, if that makes sense. <laughs> to me, I'd rather watch a game like that where there's a bit of jeopardy throughout rather than the thumping of Newport when the bonus points wrapped up after half an hour and you're wondering why we still all have to be there. So, like, I understand if you were watching it from a completely you know, if you were one of these people that's drawn to the Monday Night Rugby concept and had no particular interest in either team, I'm not sure how interesting you would find it. But for me, I think a game like that over a 40 points to 5 type game every
0: time. So there were two penalties from John Cooney. Lord Mick asks in the first of our listener questions, where does Andy Farrell go for his eye test and how exactly does he rank John Cooney as Ireland's fourth best scrum half? Adam, just how good was he again last night and uh, what about his Ireland ranking?
2: Well, we we all know he he wasn't selected for Ireland because of his form immediately after lockdown and we've all seen over the last few weeks that he's really turned that around and he's come back into his old self with ulster so from the Ireland perspective i think it was probably one of those things where it, it kind of needed to happen given that after lockdown he really just didn't hit the form, and whenever you want to select a, a squad in these current circumstances you got to pick the hot hand and cooney unfortunately wasn't that but all credit to him, he's he's taken it in a stride. He, he said last night in, in post-match that it was a really humbling experience for him, so I think it's really forced him to, to look at himself, look at his game, and as I said, over the last few weeks, he's just gone back to what he was doing before. He's been really good. Uh, last night, er, we are recording this on Tuesday, so it, it is still last night, but uh, at Ronnie Parade, he was very controlled in the circumstances, given the conditions, given how wet it was, and especially given he's playing beside Billy Burns for the first time since, I think, that Toulouse game. Um, He's got Stuart McCluskey at 12 for the first time since that Toulouse game, and they probably didn't have a lot of time to train together given that they were all coming in from different circumstances where, you know, Cooney and McCluskey are coming back from Ireland camp, Burns is coming back from injury, so they probably didn't have a lot of time to train together. So for them to put in that performance where everything looked just as slick as, as it always was, in the conditions yeah this was a really good performance from him and certainly I think if Andy Farrell hasn't noticed that over the last few weeks that Cooney is back to somewhere close to where he was before then yeah he probably does need a trip to the local competitions.
0: Already we're bridging over seamlessly here to Ireland but another man that some people are suggesting could or, or should be involved is Billy Burns who was back with the the Ulster armband on on Monday night. Peter Lockhart asked what's holding him back from an Ireland call-up. Is the fact he doesn't place kick? Uh, Peter thinks he has been excellent for Ulster. Adam?
2: Maybe the fact he's been injured for the last four weeks. (laughs) It's very hard to pick a guy who isn't available. No, I, I understand where Peter's coming from with the question, and the fact that he was called up to the original Six Nations squad back in January or February, whenever that was announced, Uh, I think reflects just how highly he is thought of by Andy Farrell and certainly again uh, as I mentioned earlier the fact that he stepped straight back in uh, on Monday night at Rodney Parade and looked like he wasn't out at all I think really stands to him that he is a very quality fly half and you got to look at the competition at Ulster now, you know, he, he hasn't been sitting there looking at how Ulster have been playing, going, I'm walking straight back into this team. And he said as much in the pre-match stuff before the game began on Premier Sports that he he was actually feeling very relieved that he did get called to start uh, yeah. this week rather than being named on the bench or something like that. Because Ian Madigan has been doing well in his absence. Michael Lowry stepped in at fly half for the first game of the season, did well. So there's no guarantee he was even coming straight back into the Ulster squad so I think if you give him a few weeks with Ulster just to get back up to speed he probably won't be called up this autumn but if he comes back in he does a good job from fly half then Six Nations next year is, is probably a good a good shout for him yeah. yeah I mean like he was third
1: choice really essentially wasn't he before lockdown so mm-hmm. he was he was pretty close basically it's I think it's an interesting shift in the narrative because an awful lot of the listener questions we used to get on Burns were like, why is he playing for yeah. Ulster, not why is he playing for Ireland? And that's only, what, a year and a half ago, really, we're talking about. But I thought he was really, really good last night. I thought, obviously, whenever he started, you know, the first thing he had to do was to his back at the loose ball to make sure they didn't concede a try after 40-odd seconds or something. But then after that, I thought you saw him come into the game. He looked incisive in a way that maybe some of the other <coughs> players in the, whatever it was, 46, didn't look, he had a bit more cutting edge, I thought, Um, you saw the really nice sort of break, and then pass out to Ludic, that Ludic just couldn't keep a handle on, to me, like, I don't know what Adam thought, man, like, to me, it looked like he was a bit flatter than he sometimes is, maybe that's something as well, because there will have been the perception, and look, we're talking about the difference between being third choice and second choice for the original Six Nations, maybe there is that perception that he wasn't exerting the same influence because John Cooney exerts so much influence in a way that the other guys that are playing for their provinces don't have that scrum half he at the time was the dominant force in the team. And of course the other thing to notice well is that you know the Irish captain plays in his position. And as we've seen again, doesn't like to give minutes away too easily to anybody <laughs> yeah. else. So there's a lot of factors there, but the guy's only twenty five, which I think is easy to forget. I certainly yeah. sort of forget He's as young as he is. I think he's still 25. To 26. Yeah. He's just 26. turned 26. Um, Happy birthday, guess, Billy. Uh, yeah, like he's got time and a size. Yeah, he's only like two, two years older than Jacob Stockdale, like,
0: you know. Yeah, and about <laughs> as seven as as years as it, younger you. than you.
2: Seven? No, wait. He's six years younger oh, than six, six so. you. It's interesting that flat point. Uh, I completely agree. And it's something that I think is overlooked. Though. A lot of people overlook the variance that Billy Burns has in this game. I thought his kicking game was very good last night as well. Just Ulster seemed to do a lot of kicking in field rather than going for touch, which was a very interesting tactic because, especially whenever Matthew Morgan's such a good runner with the ball from 15, but it was very much trying to test their back three. And I thought Burns was really good at exploiting that and putting some great probing kicks down deep uh, into the backfield and just having that variance in his game I think is something that a lot of people don't realise about Burns in that he is able to change things up he, as Johnny said he came a lot flatter I wonder if that's the influence of having Ian Madigan in camp because we all know Madigan loves to play on the game line I wonder if there's just that little bit of exchange of knowledge between the two fly halves that'll that's benefiting both of them so I, I think the exciting thing for Burns is there's still room to grow you know he he's not the finished product mm-hmm. and fly half but as Johnny says he, he's only 26 mm-hmm. he's still got many many years ahead of him he's he's not you know expected to be the finished article yeah. right now so if he's in the Ireland mix now and he's still continuing to grow his influence over this Ulster team then there's a lot of excitement about what he could potentially do if he continues mm-hmm. on this trajectory with Ulster.
0: Yeah, and Johnny Saxon certainly isn't going to last forever. Uh, what about the fact that that game would... He, <laughs> he would He would <laughs> definitely disagree. What about the uh, Monday night? How did we find it? Could we adjust to it? I don't care for... Like, I don't know. What Especially I, six o'clock. Struggling. Six o'clock's a ridiculous game on a weeknight for anything. Yeah. Surely people like, are still, like, cooking their dinners and getting their dinners at that time. Yeah, well,
1: like... Spurs have played a few Euro League games at six o'clock, and uh, you're not really you're like you're not ready for it by the time you finish work and get dinner. But no. uh, so I'm sure like Ulster fans are the same. But I don't mean, know.
2: It works a lot better for deadlines. For a <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. <laughs> that that eight fifteen next week's going to be. Uh, I'll not be buying Tuesday's paper to see uh, how many typos I've made throughout that. Anyway, <laughs> but the thing I think that's important to remember is everybody's going to be different. Like. I personally don't like it because it means that I'm working Sunday and I'm working Monday, but that's completely <laughs> selfish.
0: <laughs> We're used to it. Yeah. That's how you for, like, frame every answer to every question is from a, how does this impact me? We're well used to it, Johnny. You don't need to exactly. apologise for it.
1: Exactly. But like, everybody's going to be like that in the same way that <laughs> I love Friday night games because the stadium is a three-minute walk from my house and it gets my work done on the Friday Whereas if you live further away, and like I know this is the case, it's, just, it's presumed that all Ulster fans like Friday nights. But if you live more than 45 minutes away from the grind, then it's actually quite difficult to get there on a Friday yeah. for that kickoff. So, you know, that group prefers Saturdays. And I'm sure there is a group out there that likes Mondays. <laughs> I personally just happen to not be a part of
0: it. But Please I'm write into us if you're part of the Monday Night Ulster Supporters Club.
1: I, I didn't yeah. mind it. If anybody does like Monday Night, said I would genuinely love to know why, like just what the reasoning for it is. Because it's one of those things, that, <laughs> because it is so personal, and how you know, just how your week pans out is going to be the impact on whether you like it or not. So I'm sure there is people that do like it, and again, we have to remember that the main reason for doing this is because the broadcasters want them. Without fans in the grounds, the broadcasters are the only ones that are <laughs> generating any money from for the clubs, by these games being played. Yeah.
0: So Yeah, they get what they want at the minute.
1: Yes, in the temporary sense, in the long-term yeah. sense, I would love to know. And, you know, I'd be curious to know if there is a group out there that likes it.
0: They can get in touch. So before we get on to the meat of what people seem to really want us to talk about, which is the, the number 15 jerseys for Ulster and Ireland, we'll uh, just bridge into that through the centre position. Stuart McCluskey's first game of the season. How did how did he get on on his return to action?
2: Little bit, little bit rusty, which is understandable given that he hasn't played for he hasn't played since that Toulouse game. I think it is as well. Mm-hmm. So um, there were a lot of guys in that back line who are actually playing their first games for a while, which you you've got to remember, which probably makes it even even more promising that that Ulster managed to win that game. That, because of that, he was always going to have to find his way into the game, and you knew Ulster were going to use him a lot, given how important he is and how good he is at carrying the ball, and they did. Um, so there were, there were a few carries that Cardiff were very ready for. Uh, they were uh, targeting him very much with a couple of double tackles. and um, But it, the thing is, McCluskey, whether he looks effective in the carry or not, he is effective in the carry because he'll always suck in either two defenders or he will make you yards in a one-on-one situation. So um, it, it was a very understated performance compared to some of the other ones that he's put in for Ulster, but still very effective. And that's all you need from McCluskey. You know, you just need him to be able to do what he does well. And if he's able to break a few tackles, if he's able to make you some good yards, then that's a bonus on top of that. But he's just such an effective 12 in that you give him the ball, and he's always going to do something effective for you, and that was the case on Monday night.
0: Mm-hmm. So we have a listener question about the centre position from Big Jim. He says, we have four fit centres. Is there a best combination, or do we mix and match and just get them all game time?
1: Yeah, I think I would mix and match for the time being because and Murray, you want to see continued progression from because so you don't want... You know, you don't want them to have had this run on the team and then McCluskey and Marshall are back and you don't see them again until February. So I think those guys, and the other thing as well is I think with them both being so young, like I think it would benefit them to get time with both McCluskey and Marshall, especially in the 13 jersey, you know, to, I suppose, get a better idea of just what the 12 wants from the 13 sort of thing. You know, when if James Hume's playing 12, and um, then even just building that relationship with Burns or if Murr's playing 12, you know, because we've seen them both play both positions now, actually, after after last night. So just to build yeah, to build upon those relationships between the other guys, it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be that, you know, McCloskey and Marshall have played a lot of rugby together, so they're a partnership, and Nice Hume and Murray played a bit more rugby together, so they're a partnership, mm-hmm. you know. It's a horses-for-courses type situation, but also... Noting the fact that McCloskey will probably be away again come next yeah. week, Luke Marsh will just filtering back in after being out for a long time. You know, you're not going to just say right you're playing the next eight games or whatever it is. You know, mm-hmm. there's going to basically there's going to be minutes for for all for all four of those guys. I think between now and I suppose what April, when then you're sort of into the once again you're picking your your best team for every game sort of thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, we, we probably can't delay this anymore, uh, talk about the number 15 jerseys. First of all, we'll start I with... I can't
1: believe we waited this long.
0: Well, look, I was just I easing people in.
1: Like, Mike Laurie was the best player on the pitch, and after three years of
0: talking about him, we're 20 minutes into the podcast. Before jolly, wait, wait till you hear a couple of listener questions, I'm so excited. But I just wanted to... This is the main course, that was just a starter. Here we are now, we'll... we'll First of all, we'll start with Jacob Stockdale. So his, unfairly or not... Yes, you have to wait another little while for Michael Larry. Unfairly or not, come full-time on Saturday night, Jacob Stockdale was the name on many people's lists. Even Stephen Ferris seems to have uh, got many an Ulster fan's back up after one of his tweets on, during the match. I think it was during the match, or just after the match, when he tweeted back to Brian O'Driscoll, sort of say, what about Stockdale sort of thing. A lot has sort of led to a lot of people. Obviously, look, it wasn't Jacob's best game. Nobody's saying that. Plenty of people are saying that it should see an end to this fullback experiment. And Ian Frizzell asks, is it now time to wrap that up?
1: I don't think that we're going to see it wrapped up. I think this might just be one of those things that people have to accept.
0: It's like you think it's really a long term, like a really like they've they've already decided it's go- like they're going to give it to what, the end of the season at least, regardless of how it's going. Or
2: well, how, how many games has he played at fullback? Two. Ten. Oh, sorry, two for Ireland. Yeah, two for, games, Ireland yeah. two for Ireland and about six for Ulster. So yeah. it's it's not like he's been given a, a lot of time to bet in at fifteen. It, he has played fifteen in the past for Wallace and with the Ireland under twenties, but at the senior level. His time at fullback has still been very, very short. So I, I don't think you can suddenly say he has a game like that. Let's just completely ditch the experiment, especially when Ireland still need a long-term solution at fifteen. You know, let, let, let's not forget that this isn't the case of they put Stockdale there simply because we think he's a better fifteen. They put him there because they think he could he could be a very good fifteen because we really need a fifteen.
1: Yeah, like it's it's not like Henshaw playing there against England where it was like somebody has to play there and maybe Rose and fit so it's gonna be him and then it's gonna go so badly that we never do it again. <laughs> yeah, this is this isn't a stopgap solution. So and like every time you know every time Farrell's asked about it, he talks about the attributes that he thinks Stockdale brings to that jersey. And I suppose the other elephant in the room is that GDM's low today or tomorrow or something. Qualifies for Ireland and plays left wing in a way that they've never had before during Jacob's time in the Ireland setup. They now have two left wingers yeah. and arguably zero fullbacks. Like, Keenan can play fullback, yes, obviously. Um, Shane Daly, I think, will on 100% get a run here at the, some stage over these next four games because I would like to think that lots of players are going to get a run over these four games because mm-hmm. otherwise, I have no idea why any of us will be watching them. Um. so I, like, I wouldn't be surprised to see him not play sorry to see Jacob not play on Friday or next Friday mm-hmm. but in the same way that I wouldn't be surprised to see anybody giving a rest next Friday
0: so if it's it's going to continue what do we think of it so far if we were to grade it what would the grade be so far
2: C oh I'm, I'm a bit higher than John. you go but, you say a B or a D I said
0: B Going ahead well, to explain, well, what's your I, teacher's comments?
2: I I was I was I was verging on B minus, but I've decided to <laughs> B because there no but there there have been bad moments, and when we we can't gloss over those. You know, he, he made some glaring errors against France, not diving on the ball whenever it went loose, which led to the penalty try. Um, there are a couple of moments where he just didn't cover the backfield as, as well as you would have hoped he would from fullback. But there are also moments where he's, he's really good from fullback. You know, taking the ball at pace and running strongly at defences is one of his great strengths. That booming left boot of his is perfectly suited to playing at fullback rather than playing on the wing. Coming onto a, onto a ball at pace from deep and chipping over the oncoming defensive line is perfectly suited to fullback as well. So there are attributes that Jacob has which are perfectly suited to fullback. And I think that's exactly why Ireland have seen him as a fullback and have put him there. And that's what they've talked about in the past. It's just cleaning up those little mistakes. You know, It's just being that little bit more defensively aware. It's diving on that ball instead of not diving on it. And some of the things are really small mistakes that just, in the heat of the moment, you make the wrong choice and it leads to a really big error. So it's something you've just got to persist with. If, if these issues... Persist, then yes, I think you have to start questioning the experiment. But we're still so early into it that you've got to give him time to bet in. And that's just how it has to be.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah I just thought,
1: it like, I think to zero in on Stockdale is very much a micro issue to me. Ireland's issues, basically, for the last 24 months are macro issues. And I think it's just, I'm, I'm not defending the errors or anything like that. But what I'm saying is it's very easy after a performance like that to pick out individual pieces to play when quite clearly what's wrong is not individual. It's a team wide thing. Like if you mm-hmm. have a team that can win a six nations and at half time they're having a team talk about needing to believe that they can score ten points in the second half, which is all they needed to do, then that's odd to me. If you have a team that yeah. haven't had an impressive victory if you discount beating Scotland in the World Cup and Scotland were absolutely dire, then Ireland haven't played. Ireland haven't had a good win in 23 months. You know that's not because mm-hmm. Stockdale made an error in Paris or Stockdale made an error in Twickenham. <laughs> the problems with this team are much wider. And like it might be small, it might be these small fixes. Like you might just need something to go your way and you get in a role, Like you know the Sexton drop goal in 2018 sort of launched that campaign to the point where by the end of it they were thumping England in Yeah, Stockdale to me brings something that most Irish players don't in that he has, he's powerful and pacey. Dynamism was the word I thought of. Yeah, when most Irish players, for whatever reason, probably genetics of just how we grew people here, aren't both? Yeah. And that's something that Ireland are missing because Mm. when Ireland play teams that are bigger than them, like you don't want to assume that rugby's just always won by the team that's bigger, but any time Ireland play a team that's bigger than them, basically since England came in and threw a spanner in the works to such a degree that the whole machine's been looked broken ever since. Yeah. In the first game of that twenty nineteen, every time they've played a team that can beat them up physically, they've done it.
0: Yeah. And well,
1: Stockdale's the type of player that a lot. You know, Stockdale's the kind of player that kind of balances that.
0: He's making yeah. a lot of
1: he's making a lot of mistakes.
0: Yeah. But we the like the
1: player that can will be more solid won't give you as much in the other way. And that's yeah. That's why I'd hedge my bets that somebody that has won thirty caps as an international rugby player will sort out the little mistakes because
0: Yeah. And is now what Ireland's like eight. It. Yeah. Biggest try scorer. Yeah, with Andrew Trimble at the age of, what, like 23 or something? 24, yeah. 24. Yeah, look, I don't think we should panic about him. I think he'll be okay in the long run. So the reason we chat about that before we chat about the main man, Michael Lowry, is because it all has an impact on each other. So Michael obviously came into that number 15 jersey Monday night and was brilliant, as he always is. So our first listener question with regards to Michael Larry is from J W, and he asks: Should Ulster stick with Megalari at fifteen? J W believes it's his favourite possession over ten. The footwork to score the try against Cardiff was of Chelsea and Colby quality. So obviously we're, this we're, is we're where we're the really Jacobix point comes the comparisons into Colby. In exactly, but if if, if emerge Damien McKenzie like uh,
1: comparisons, so and I saw somebody else go with the Dupont comparison just because of the height. So yeah. He's in
0: good company with the people he's comparing. Exactly. So, but if, uh, if Stockdale's going to have to play the big games for Ulster, and more often than not, at 15, because it's going to be dictated by, uh, by Ireland, what does this mean then for Michael Lowry? And what do you think? Is 15 his position going forward? I don't
1: know. Like I still think that he prefers 10, personally. That's just the impression I get from whenever he's spoken about it. <laughs> I get the impression that he's obviously very diplomatic, and he's obviously polite enough and well-spoken enough to be able to hide it a wee bit, I guess. Mm-hmm. But reading between the lines, I think that he wants to play 10. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting, actually, to hear Dan Soper a few weeks back say that he'd like to see him play 10. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't obviously, seen him play 10 in school. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought he was I thought, I thought really, really good last night. Um, unfortunately, you know, you talk about Jacob not being able to tidy up a messy situation. I thought Laurie did that time and time again um, with a lot of those... I think Adam said about Ulster kicking centrally. Cardiff, did the same thing, really. Um, and we're just trying to sort of skid that ball across a greasy surface, which we've seen how difficult that can be to deal with. But you never really noticed Larry having any bother whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I thought his exits, which wouldn't be something that maybe just me personally would have associated with his, as a strength of his game before, um, were brilliant, really, really just a real sort of calming presence back there on a day that needed it. Good under the high ball as well, and then discussing all that is before you get to the fact that he really did save the day with that uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> try at the end of what was it, sixteen minutes, five mm-hmm. meters from the Cardiff line that it um,
2: looks like it was about to go very very badly wrong until uh, mm-hmm. he picked the ball up and uh, students... Ulster had or were in the Cardiff twenty-two for fifteen consecutive minutes, and Cardiff wow. didn't touch the ball once, apart apart from you know those. We that were illegal (laughs) yes but the the key word for me with Lowry is composure you know as Johnny said there his covering at the back was exceptional I don't think Cardiff managed to get behind him once because he was always there ready to to turn and get those kicks in behind which the Blues were doing really really well they were kicking really well in behind and especially whenever they brought Tubby on and they had that dual threat with him at 10 and evans at 12 they were putting some really good probing kicks in behind but lyra was covering them all superbly um and you know even the try was superb mm-hmm. like whenever you're able to check like he did still spot the gap and go through it and get the try like that that's just fantastic that's a 15 at his best um and he really did save the day because if Ulster hadn't have scored just before half time, then that would have been a huge psychological mm-hmm. blow to them. Cardiff would have gone in with their tails up, Ulster would have gone in with their heads down, and who knows how the second half would have gone after that. But to get that try just before the break was massive given the pressure they'd mm-hmm. exerted. And it really does give Ulster a massive question going forward. Because if Larry plays this well from fullback going forward, You've also got Rob Little, who can play 15. Mm-hmm. Then whenever you get to the big games, what do you do with Stockdale? If you're told you have to play him at 15, then you have to play him at 15. But right now, Larry's playing so well that I think you've got to be making the argument that, look, we've got to put Stockdale back in the wing here and play Larry at fullback because mm-hmm. this is how we're going to win games. Um, so... <laughs> It's, it's only good for Ulster, you know, having this competition is only fantastic for them working forward and it's something that we keep talking about, about having depth. If you've got two quality options at fullback and you're having to choose between the two of them, it's better than, you know, putting somewhere that, someone there because he's the only option you've got. So I think Larry, as long as he keeps playing well, he's going to keep asking that question that maybe at some point, you know... You put him at 10 because he's playing so well and you just want to get him on the pitch because Stockdale has to play 15, but then where do you put Burns? It's it's just really good questions that Ulster have that they've got these options now.
0: Uh, there was another listener question that sort of highlighted, as you said, Jonathan, the uh, height uh, similarity between him and uh, Dupont, who is 1.74 metres. Stuart R. Watson informs us. i haven't Jack These don't know if this is right. And uh, Michael Larry is 1.7 metres. Is that uh, does, does that try and that performance help to sort of answer those questions as to his size being an issue? Well,
1: it's more of an issue at 10 because he's in the line more. Yeah. Um, obviously, and we, I think we saw that against Treviso, maybe. Um,
0: yeah.
2: We're only four games into the season, I'm already struggling to differentiate between what happened <laughs> in one game. <laughs> well John Cooney said after the game on I Monday mean, night that's five games in a row we've won it's only four, yeah,
0: it's four. <laughs> he's, he's just you can just backdate that quote until next week that Dragons game felt like it took so long that uh, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. so here's where it gets really interesting for us Michael Lowry fans we have two people who both asked do you think that Michael Lowry has a chance in the near future of an Ireland call up at fullback is it time guys is it time for the M Lowry train to hit the island too. I don't know if it's time right now. I oh, like chop, this very second. Chop. Like, <laughs> I built that up so well. Just need to... Yes, it is.
2: The thing is, his versatility of being able to play 10 and 15 is very good. Um, and it's probably something that Ireland will be very happy with, as, as I'm sure Ulster are. Um, the issue is, wh- where do you call him up as? Because you've, you've got to call him up as... One or the other as, as much as you like having the versatility you've got to have one position primarily in mind for him has he had enough reps at 10 to justify putting him in ahead of one of burns cardi or say uh hanrahan or healy down in uh Munster? probably not or, well sorry no definitely not he's only played one game this season for ulster at 10 and you could not justify putting him in there as a 10 ahead of one of those guys has he been good enough to beat out one of the guys who are currently playing 15? Maybe. We're actually about one game. Because, like, you know, he yeah. missed a game on and played 10 <laughs> minutes
1: the other one. So that I suppose, that, like, in my mind, and I would put Hume and I would put O'Sullivan and I would put Moore and Laurie all into the same boat. Probably missing somebody out. I think all those guys could go on to play for Ireland. Definitely. Mm-hmm. 100%. I think they all have the ability to go on to play for Ireland. But I think... Unless you're playing for Leicester you have to be the starter at your province. Mm, yeah. Before you, you know, you have to nail down that jersey at your province before you start thinking about playing for Ireland. I think. But personally, but Larry you know, makes it.
0: Larry little... makes it into that camp then, despite size and all those questions that he has international quality. You think? Yeah,
1: but like he has ability. He has ability that lots of players don't have. Like he has. Yeah. And that like that's why, probably why that we've all enjoyed watching him so much from whatever. You know, you're talking about, I can't even remember how long ago I was now playing at school level, playing yeah. in 10 as a fifth year, like, um, he has an innate footballing ability that sets him aside from other players, and while he doesn't have the height of other players, you know, he has other advantages that most players don't have. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well... Like, we...
1: Glarm not particularly big. Peniel, I don't
2: think, is particularly big either,
0: height-wise. But then it's the, do you know the like like those DuPont comparisons or whatever? But he just looks a lot more sturdy than Michael. Like every time Michael Lowry gets hit, you're just like, oh my word. I I don't
2: like I don't like the DuPont height comparisons because scrum halves typically are never overly big. Like Ryan Pina is really the main outlier in terms Mm. of a tall scrum half. Scrum halves don't need to be big because you know they're not generally taking contact. They're generally the ones shoveling the ball on for the rest of the backs to do the work. Yeah. At, full, at fullback, you're taking contact a lot more. Mm. Uh, but Laurie Lur- definitely uses his height to his advantage because he does get very low into into contact and that does generally get him a few more yards yeah. whenever he takes the tackle. So it's, it's not necessarily a disadvantage. It's maybe maybe not necessarily a complete advantage either, but uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it, it works against him or anything yeah. like that. Right. It's a balance.
1: It's like, you know, it's Robin Peter to, play, to pay Paul. Like, if he bulks up and ends up top-heavy like an inverted pyramid, then he's not going to be as nimble as he is. Yeah. So he is putting on an extra, I don't know, four kilos, would say, of muscle in his upper body, going to be worth what he would then lose. In the, yeah. What is the real strength of his game in the that he's so nimble and his footwork, so good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well look, that's a, a future we can all get very excited to to look ahead to you. anyway. Just a final word on the back line. Nev asks, is there any word on Robert Balakun's progress? And do we know when he's coming back? Not for a while. Like it's
2: a proper seriously, bad injury, look. Um it's, it's one of those great. ones that probably needs it managed after he comes back as well. Yeah. You're probably not gonna see him coming straight back in and playing eighty minutes. But that's still a long way down the line, as Johnny says. Yeah, yeah that, yet, that, that, was just the, sorry, that
1: was just the impression that I was under. No, no time scale has ever officially been put on it, but I yeah. was under the impression that it was
0: yeah, long a term. long term. Yeah, okay. So the other listener questions then are about the pack, um, mostly from Dono, who asked a couple of questions. But first of all, how long is long enough, he asked, to judge the quality of Sam Carter week by week? Sam Carter is guilty of brainless penalties, says Donald.
1: All right, I'll take like this how one. Much, <laughs> mean, how much longer should we
0: give it? Yeah, how much longer before you just start slagging him off like Donald seems to have already started doing? Look, well, for, for, for he's
2: not name, getting long left well, in his contract, does he? <laughs> yeah, he's got, another, he's got this season then he's up for a nil. Look, whenever you're bringing in NIQs, you want someone who's going to bring a, a bit of quality, especially during the international windows. You know, especially whenever you've only got a limited number of NIQs, you've got you've to make the most of them. And for me, Carter is someone who I think Dan McFarland really likes because of his leadership and because of his no-holds-barred attitude. Um, but. Certainly on the pitch, there are just some moments where you're really thinking to yourself, you know, what what's going on here? You know, he, he does give away a lot of penalties. On Monday night, he gave away one where he shot way out of the line, and instead of dropping back, he then tried to play the ball whenever it was passed towards him. So he didn't get a yellow card though. So like, yeah,
1: you know, you got to give him credit for avoiding that. <laughs> how he how didn't get Sinbin for that, beyond
2: me, but he must have done something. Look, I'm sure, I'm sure that what he's brought from the Brumbies in terms of the mall, I think, is something that I think people haven't really realised. I think coming from a system where they rely so much on the mall and to see how Ulsters has improved over the two seasons he's been here, um, I think he's probably had a big hand in that. But to be honest, I haven't seen a lot from him with ball in hand in terms of carrying There are a few tackles that i really think he should have made from a standpoint i'd have o'connor and treadwell ahead of him right now to be Mm -hmm. honest and whenever you're signing your imports you really want them to be to at least be you know your second choice in a position Mm -hmm. that you know hopefully he he can pick it up but certainly i thought o'connor and treadwell both played better than him on monday Mm -hmm. He's, he's not the only one
1: in the squad that would give you the impression that the move just has not worked out as planned for anybody. I'll yeah. put it that way. All right. and, you know we had an interview with Darren Cave not that long ago in the paper, making the point that especially now, like you can't have your Niqs not being first choice. Yeah. And he hasn't been first choice in the final. He wasn't first choice in the European quarterfinal. So, no, like nobody brings in an import with the intention of being on the bench in the big mm. game so it's not like you know it's not my opinion that it hasn't worked you can objectively look at it and say yeah. <laughs> that something has worked out but at the same time that happens you know as I say he's not the
0: only one so final listener question then before we, we very briefly at this stage look ahead to Glasgow Bar... Rob Herring, who do you think has the highest ceiling of potential at two? Do you think the rule sharing is hedging bets, or is it just denying the acceleration of one player's potential? That's from Donal, by the way.
1: I think it's actually really interesting because, like, obviously the vast majority of people are more mature than I am. But like, if I was John O'Dwyer, I would have been fairly annoyed to like start against Dragons, play well, and then not. Play.
0: And be put up for media in between to preview the game that you're not playing ah. for.
1: And have to talk to me in between by a game that <laughs> he wasn't starting. <laughs> Seems like right for anybody's. the off team. Yeah, not a good week by anybody's estimation. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's an it's it's an interesting balance because it's happened not just in the hooker position where is it forty yeah forty players have been used this year across the four games and um, and that's with the g- g- smattering of injuries now so a well, guys like Balakai and Tom O'Toole. Um, so you know you've seen you know Marcus Ray as an example come in and play well and then not feature again. McCann and I think it's probably trying to get the balance of rewarding form, but also ensuring that your entire squad because you'll need your entire squad stays a part of it. And I think that's really that is a very difficult balance to get. Like people talk about the amount of players at Leinster, you use but Leinster also sent 17 to Ireland, whereas Ulster have only had really herring and Stockdale, completely unavailable because of Ireland. Mm-hmm. So I guess at some stage, you probably want to pick a horse, as it were, but I suppose, well, John Andrew's 27, and Adam McBurney's obviously got youth inside, but then you've got Tom Stewart as well, who's highly rated in the way that, you know, people talk about Tom Stewart, probably not... Dissimilarly to the way they talked about Adam McBurney and John Andrew, and they were coming coming through themselves. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. For me personally, I think Andrew, post lockdown, so not just this season, but going back to August, I think John Andrew's played better when he's played. But at the same time, I think it would be, it would be a strange one. I think if to put myself in his shoes, if he you know, to use that an example again, he played well against Dragons and then was benched for the last game. So. Mm. It's a it's a fine tightrope to walk, I think, in terms of selection. But not just the hooker, like back row, really, I think it's the same.
2: Mm-hmm. The, that's an interesting point about Leinster. You know, you, they use so many players, but they obviously send so many guys to the international team. Let's say Leinster were in Ulster's position, only had four players away with Ireland, two of which came back for their games. You know, how, how many players would Leinster use in a season? Would it still be that many? Would it not be? We don't know. I'd, I'd love to well, see... I don't think it would have to be. Like, you wouldn't see... You Know
1: that so four debutants against Zebra, I think, yep. and then another one last night. So, you know, if Kelleher say was getting sent back, if he was fit, would you see Sheehan play, um, or would it be Kelleher and Tracy, and obviously mm-hmm. with Cronin there as well? You know, so I think the international situation with Lancer does simply mean that they need to use more players, and then they do mm-hmm. use more players, and they have more players that they can use because they've got more pro fourteen level players than anybody else. You know, you saw a very callow team against Zebra and absolutely thump them. And then you're looking at it thinking, oh, Zebra must be terrible. Like this is Leinster's fourth team and look at the amount of points you're putting on them. And then Zebra go out the next game and beat Ospreys, who had a good start to the season. And, you know, they beat Edinburgh, they put it up to Ulster, you know, Leinster are a different beast. That was a long window that
2: so, you know. <laughs> yeah. It was just interesting looking at how Ulster managed the start of the season, you know sort of dividing up the minutes and not necessarily rewarding form over, you know, trying to play as many guys as possible, keep guys interested. But I think Johnny's right. At some point, you've got to sort of settle down a team maybe going into Europe. You know, now is maybe the time where you can sort of mix and match and you can bring a few guys in, give a few guys minutes, have a few academy guys playing like Ethan McElroy. They probably didn't have designs in him playing an hour in the game on Monday night, but he came in and did well, and that'll do wonders for his development. So this is a chance to see what you have. But I think as we sort of move towards December, we'll start to have a few combinations coming together, playing a bit more regularly, especially that back row. I think at some point the back row has to settle down, not have mm-hmm. so many moving parts. Um and I think at Hooker, you'll probably see someone emerging as sort of the more number two for whenever uh, Rob comes back from, from Ireland mm. camp. But I think that is what we see normally. We've
1: just had a... We've got a very long run on Pro 14 It's Like, yeah. Europe beyond be on the horizon normally now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but I, but I so think... Like,
2: I this think it is would a be bit an inter-pro before Europe normally. Mm. Yeah, but I think it is a little bit more pronounced. You know, when have, when have Ulster rotated so much in the back row? We've seen rotation in the back row, but... When have you seen so many guys used in the back row? I think Ulster have used eight different guys in the back row now. Nine, possibly. Like, when have we seen that many used in a run of fixtures? I don't think Ulster have ever used that many guys in the back row. So I think that's a different thing that we see from Ulster this year it's not necessarily the rotation it's the number of guys involved in the rotation yeah.
0: well very quickly before we go now Ulster, oh, Glasgow are coming to Ulster next Monday night at quarter past eight much to Johnny's delight and really the way this season is shaping up Ulster have now won four games from four and as was it John Kearney, or Billy Burns predicted it's going to be five from five realistically isn't it as we were talking before we started recording it's hard to see Ulster losing to anybody, certainly outside Ireland at, at this stage.
1: Well, we did say that they would. We just I said will, it yeah. To predict, it was hard to predict on which game it would come, but there will be an outlier, I imagine.
0: And it will very much be an outlier, because of the way the league is now, and that Glasgow were not the Glasgow that they were last year.
1: No, well, sorry, the Osprey's result I forgot when I was talking about some of their better results there was that they beat Glasgow as well. Um, yeah. So Glasgow have only been, you know, they've won one game against Scarlets it's, it's not been going particularly well for them this season they've obviously you know we all know about the quality of players that they've lost since that league win here which was about five years ago um, Hogg, Russell, Gray among them really not just Glasgow's best players but Scotland's best players mm-hmm. and obviously the unforeseen coaching coaching changes with two of your coaches getting national jobs so Yes, it is a different Glasgow than the one that... I suppose even two years, you know, <laughs> we're not that far detached from Glasgow absolutely thumping Ulster uh, in a semi-final, but I've not, like, I've not seen too much of them. I saw the Connacht game. I had the Leinster game on in the background last night while I was finishing up my work, so I didn't really get a great chance to have much of a look at them.
2: Glasgow are quite similar to Ulster in that they rely on one guy, and for Ulster it's Marcel Katsia, and for Glasgow it's Leonie Nakarawa him not being there makes them a completely different team because having that unpredictability in their second row with Nakarawa and him being able to flail his arms around like an octopus and get offloads off all over the place just makes them such a different team. And I think Mm. it's, it's actually quite disappointing to see where they are now because whenever they were at their height, if you had them and Edinburgh where they are, maybe not right now, but last season, competing as the two Scottish sides then Scottish rugby would be in a really strong position. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately, it just seems that the rise of Edinburgh has coincided with the decline of Glasgow. It'll be interesting to see if Glasgow have any guys back from Scotland that they didn't have for uh, last week's games. I I don't know what their policy is on letting guys out of the bubble on an off week. But if if they had a couple more guys, they'd be a bit more of a of a threat but really Ulster should be looking at this game as they're coming up against a team out of form Ulster a team in form they really should be targeting this as getting a getting a good win on the board and you know I I was quite impressed by the fact that Ulster still managed to win on Monday night without Marcel Katzia if he's still carrying a little bit of a knock could you maybe go two weeks without him give him two weeks off a bit Mm -hmm. of a rest You'd obviously want him back in there, just to be sure, given how good he is. But Ulster, I think, shed sort of that aura of Ulster can't win games, especially away from home, without Marcel Kutsia. I think even though Cardiff had a really good game at Breakdown, they managed to shed that aura of, Mm -hmm. you know, we need Kutsia to win games. If they could do that two weeks in a row, that would be massive, and you could get that rotation going in the back row again for a week. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, that's pretty much us for this week then. We will be back next week to look back at that Glasgow game Um, and ahead to another big weekend with Ireland back again playing Wales uh, next Friday night. So, uh, until then, you can keep up as usual with all the latest news on the Belfast Telegraph website in the newspaper and the Sunday Life as well. And now you can sign up for Jonathan's... Um, rugby newsletter which goes out at lunchtime on uh, Monday Uh, we'll tweet out the the link to that where you can sign up for uh, his weekly thoughts well just some of your extra thoughts that don't make it into the newspaper maybe like your your c-list thoughts but they're they're (laughs) also good
2: it's hard to get
0: somewhere for them all to go but the best ones go in the Stuff. yeah they do no they do They're, no no it's very good it's well written and I enjoy it so you can sign up for that and uh, join us again next week so from Jonathan Bradley Serious thank you. Adam McHenry and myself Gareth Hanna thanks for listening